0: Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business if you want to learn more about evolve including our beautiful co-working space in ashley crossing Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content insights details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events for now though let's get on with the show Welcome to this week's episode, today I'm talking to Sami Hadhami, co-founder and COO at the UK's leading fitness technology app, Fit, a global digital disruptor that was named by Wired magazine as the home workout app to beat. From the inception, Sami and Fit's mission was to make exercise a habit for everybody. Backed by the insight of fitness experts, data scientists, engineers and even DJs, the app gives its members a highly motivating, efficient, and addictive workout experience, and access to a community that helps you level up and keep those good habits going. Sammy leads the corporate well-being program at Fit and provides well-being consultancy to a variety of global businesses. A regular speaker on topics such as company culture and health and well-being, he also advises early-stage business founders in the technology and wellness sectors. I've known Sammy for around 15 years and he's always been someone who challenges the status quo, so I was really excited to have him on the show and intrigued to talk to him about his journey and his thoughts about well-being in the workplace. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome Sammy, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hey Warren, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. It's good to connect with you again after such a long time. It has. I was thinking the other day. You know, this is the first kind of conversation we've had. Probably the last one we had was probably pre-pre COVID, but obviously known you for about ten years. So good uh, for our listeners to get to understand a bit more about your own personal story journey. That'll fit. But also, we'll cover off during the course of this conversation the passion that you have for physical well-being uh, in the workplace. But I suppose we should start. With where you are now in life and in business, as it were, Um, you are co-founder and CEO at Fit. Tell us more about Fit and how you came to co-found the business, Sammy.
1: Sure. So Fit is the it's the UK's number one rated fitness solution. You can find us everywhere from Sky TV. You know we're Vodafone's fitness partner and Samsung's fitness partner and Vitality. So hopefully many people have heard of us. We provide you know fitness classes and interactive fitness content where you sort of track your metrics and you can find everything that you would can possibly think of from pilates and yoga to strength training cardio classes treadmill rowing machines um everything really that you would want to find in a um in a fitness solution so uh, i hate to probably talk about our competitors apple and peloton but we are a competitor to apple and peloton and i suppose you know lots of people might know them um we were voted just in march this year the 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 best streaming service by men's health and actually we've been around since 2017 so we are very much a pre-pandemic fitness solution and you know sort of saw i suppose saw the um the boom of home fitness coming you know i think one of the reasons you asked you know about founding the business. So it's going to be six years next month, our sixth birthday really soon, which is, which is exciting. But so my, my previous life is really real estate and DJing and lots of different smaller businesses, you know, in the UK and in Dubai. And in 2016, I left my business in Dubai and met up with my friend from university, Ian, who just exited his, uh technology company and we were both training in the gym during the day when everyone else was at work trying to work out what the next thing that we wanted to do was we you know we were, we were seeing we were going to fitness classes in london it's a boutique fitness you know if people know what that is whether you know things like barry's and one rebel and soul cycle which everyone probably would know this sort of high energy great trainer brilliant experience of a fitness class, quite elitist, quite expensive, um, and at that time there was you know the boom of fitness influencers. So social media was awash with people posting fitness content, and it was you know exercise moves, but all this copy written, spelling mistakes, but loads and loads of people were following. You know people like Joe Wicks at the time, and there was Peloton sort of on the rise in the US, which was an interactive fitness business. So the difference there was as a gamification element, they're using wearable data or data from the car, you know, the, the, the bikes themselves to, to really gamify the experience, which was really, really great for retention, which is I suppose the ultimate goal when it comes to fitness. So we were looking at those things and really we were trying to work out how can we make an accessible version of the most exciting fitness classes in the world and take it into people's homes. So our original tagline was boutique fitness in your in your living room. But essentially you throw all those things into the box, you know, influencers, interactivity, boutique studio classes, and out came fit. Um, so yeah, that 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 was the that was the idea at the moment. It wasn't this sort of light bulb moment it was a combination of thinking through different ideas and you know, our passion was fitness but we really we're really passionate about trying to get people moving you know our mission as a business is to make fitness a habit for everybody the word habit and everybody is really important um, it's something for everyone over time but the habit piece is really the it's the name of the game you know fitness is hard i think 95% of new year's resolutions are health related and we all know the classic by March you know 70% of people have given up so we were trying yeah. to you know create something that motivated you brought you the best trainers the best fitness programming the best music the best lights the, the the best gamification and try and do everything in our power to keep you on that that fitness journey so yeah that's really the heart of everything that we do
0: it's really interesting, isn't it? And, it? and it is a great platform, you know, for the listeners that haven't experienced it, go experience it, it's brilliant. I've been using it for a number of years and I particularly love, you know, for me, the thing that I don't do enough of is stretching and Pilates and those classes that you've got that are you know, so well-recorded, so well-delivered, you know, really great trainers, really made a difference and got me interested in, in that kind of side great. of fitness, which is great. But I suppose there's a couple of things there, isn't it? I'm quite interested to kind of explore that, you know, as a startup, two of you that, you know, were looking for your next thing, you know, your competitors, you know, you've already said it, said it are really Apple or Peloton and they always were, weren't they, in 2017. So did it feel like a bold move to have a startup that you knew had to compete with them? Or was it a belief in the, in what you're going to do? Is it the ability to raise funding? You know, what gave you that kind of edge that you think we could compete with these businesses?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, so interestingly, Apple wasn't in the fitness game in 2017. They launched, I think it was, it was 2019, 2020, but they, they were, I think they were probably thinking about it then, but there was lots of, I suppose we were trying to compete with, yeah, Peloton, you know, Freeletics, lots of US companies at the time, you know, well-capitalized businesses. I, So there's three, there was three of us actually, there's Dan, there's three co-founders in the business, that was Ian's business partner in his previous company. And I suppose, I think we're all, we've all been on that entrepreneurial journey where we wanted to solve problems. We, uh, I mean, you always know failure is possible, but it isn't really in your mind at that point in time we were thinking, look, we've got the energy and the drive to try and build something. We can see the problem and there was you know i consult actually for some, for some early stage startups and there was a guy that i i work with now who i met right at the beginning and i pitched the idea to him, and he said to me look you know 95% of of founders you know they haven't necessarily quite got the conviction but he said when you spoke to me you were so sure about what you were going to deliver that and he was saying like how can i deliver my idea with that that sort of conviction and i don't know what it is really whether it's a misguided belief. Um, I think you have to think you're going to succeed, you know, with that idea, and you have to just, you know, execute really well. But we spoke to a lot of people early on, got some momentum behind it and got feedback, I think, from lots of people in the industry, I think at the time, one of the things that surprised a lot of people was that we've we've got all of the fitness community, this leading trainers and influencers at the time all together at one point you know my role actually at the beginning was was you know recruiting the trainers and building all the production sort of all the things that you see at the moment and you know a lot of them just they they liked what we were trying to do we were trying to bring this really great experience to the masses and I think they said that you know we had a good energy about us they believed that we were going to try and execute and Although you always have a plan of saying, look, we're going to do X, it's always a variation of that plan. But we never really, we never backed out of what we said we're going to do. We we delivered a version of, you know, what we believe was going to be the end product. And everyone's stuck by us for a long, long time. So it was a, yeah, a real energy. I think the, the other guys down at the end, of, you know, they've got really good energy about this. And I think that's something that you've got to, You've got to have because it can be a, a challenging process to get something from essentially what is. I mean, I've got on my phone somewhere. Ian, Ian, has got the writing of a doctor. You can never understand it, and my mine's okay. But there's, we've got the, I've got a picture somewhere of the first sketch of, what it would be, and it looks a mess. But you'll you can be pretty proud, you know, six years later that you have this idea on a piece of paper, and you've built it into, you know, a really strong. A strong brand and and, it, and it's exciting
0: it's interesting yeah and resident a lot of what you say resonates there with me and in particular you know when we talk about you know we help businesses start scale and exit and and that startup piece is when we talk to people is making sure they've got the focus the passion and the belief in what they're doing mm-hmm. because as you say without it when you hit that first brick wall you're just going to flounder aren't you and as we all know and perhaps we'll come on to talk about that in the in your case in a moment is that you know you do pivot, you do change direction from time to time. You do mm. need to make adjustments, and you can only do that once if you've got that passion and that belief and that focus in what you do. And and the other piece around it, I suppose, would be to just talk about you know six years on, um, gone through that kind of COVID period. I suppose we have to mention it. One day we won't, uh, but three years on from that is worth talking about. And you've secured you know successfully multiple rounds of funding to continue to develop the products and the business. You know what have been your greatest challenges, Sammy, so far in that <laughs> journey? Quite a big question. I, I love
1: it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean I'm I'm laughing because I think there's a lot of challenges along you know there has been a lot of challenges. I think one of the things that I think to be a good entrepreneur or or to have the the stomach for it, you've got to You've got, to be able, you've got to be able to make decisions on, on a daily basis. I, I believe building a startup is essentially making decisions on a daily basis. And that can mean you're changing the direction of the business or the company or areas of the business all the time. You know, we started, if you think about it from a content or technology perspective, we, we launched the business, I think, to the public in April 2018. It was just body weight content. It was sort of you know uh, decent technology we had sort of movement tracking and heart rate tracking but it was a sort of limited selection and it was a it was a you know it was a paid model and after about six months we we pivoted to a freemium model we thought we could scale by going freemium Mm. and you know it had its benefits but we had this hardware piece that the heart rate monitor that was costing us a lot of money and it was really draining this the 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 the, the cash flow it was it was sort of an impact so then we pivoted to to free trial and we started adding different layers of content We, we we started looking to the future we you know we were always wanting to be a hybrid business way before hybrid was really a thing so we looked at gym partnerships in 2019 to try and be where everyone is doing fitness so not just at home it was in the gym as well and we tried to ride the wave of different different um parts of the market so you know functional fitness and that crossfit community we we added in connected you know equipment with the assault bike and the treadmills and we're really trying to look at trying to find our space in the fitness ecosystem because actually when you when you when you really get into it people want lots and lots of different Types of, of of content and 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 they want things on their own terms. So there's been a real there's been a real shift during that six years. I mean, you have to talk about COVID, right? Because before before COVID, we were we were we were sort of driving the market in the UK. There were there were competitors, but no one really thought about a digital strategy, you know. So no. most apps, what we call fitness app 1.0, they were they were just this sort of someone in a room some basic functionality and the, the the retention rates on those apps are really really low we we were driving really good retention with this sort of interactivity piece um but no, there wasn't that many competitors and then COVID hit, and then all of a sudden overnight everyone's like okay we need to do this you know i i remember about a week in i think it was the it might have been Mark Wahlberg from F forty five, you know, the on the phone to one of our business partners asking about white labeling the products and all the gyms were, were calling us and you have to make these decisions of we had all these big businesses coming to us and saying that we want to use your technology and we had to take a call at that moment in time and said do we want to do that or do we not? Do we want to start white labeling and, and we didn't we wanted to to to, to, to create go alone Brian, and keep that I mean, brand was yeah. a
0: big leap of confidence and faith in yourselves, isn't it? That's really backing yourselves because that's the easy point, maybe to start to cash in and and make some short term revenue to the detriment of the long term strategy. So, I mean, that, there must have been some debate around that and those discussions, and or was there just that yeah. inner confidence, Sammy?
1: It's not about confidence; it's actually about decision making. I think you have to weigh everything up. You know, we we operated on like an what we call. A strategic decision group model, where we, you know we had a strategic decision group of senior decision makers, and we had to sweat a lot of these decisions. You know, you'd have the finance teams involved, you'd have um, the the marketing teams, you'd have you know CEO and and, and C suite. Essentially, you have to sweat the decision, you have to weigh up the pros and cons. And to look, to be honest, we didn't always. We've definitely not made the right decision every single time, but. We had, to, we had to have the confidence that we're going to go down a particular path. You know, we 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 spent a lot of time looking to explore the U.S. You know, I, I went out and recruited some of the best U.S. trainers. We started to try and, you know, build partnerships with U.S. companies to grow in the U.S. because to grow in the U.S. you need millions and millions and millions of dollars, which we didn't have. But if you can get the right U.S. partners, you can scale through their marketing dollars. So, we you know, we explored the U.S. and, Um, we developed some really deep partnerships and some of those things played out really well and some of them didn't play out that well as well and it's but it's this constant it's not it's not a, a confidence it's trying to weigh up what's the best path for the business whilst knowing that you're a startup managing your cash flow and then also looking at the market you know the market makes A lot of the decisions for you and you know right now although everyone knows what at home fitness is and hybrid fitness and functional fitness you know the the economic climate has meant that the average number of subscriptions that people have i think it's fallen from around four and a half to around two 2.1 subscriptions per per person so people's overall wallet and spend is is lower And you've got to do different things, you almost got to do more things to keep that customer. So I think the, you know, where we are now is we're trying to we're in the middle of that ecosystem. So we are driving, we're looking at driving, you know, people in the gym, we're looking at being in the centre of the ecosystem with hardware partners, you know, rowing machine companies, treadmill companies, and at home. But I think one of the pieces that has always been part of the strategy is our partnerships and because um, essentially you know partnerships with big companies like vodafone or samsung or sky where we're using their marketing spend to help drive our subscriptions and i think that's probably when been one of the really one of the best plays that we've had was because we had a great brand and we had great content and good technology i think those are the three things that we are we can say that we have, we've been able to do really good deals with some of the biggest brands in the world. And that's, that's really helped us when the sort of the B2C spend has significantly reduced.
0: That's, you know, helping you find your market, isn't it? There's so much interesting things in what you said. I love that thought process, you know, particularly in a business with three founders, usually the decision making strategically, they they keep, I love the idea of having that strategic decision making team i'm really intrigued to see because over those years therefore you've pivoted a, a few times how have you managed that because again i think this is where some startups and ambitious startups are, is they need to pivot but they don't necessarily manage that change process well you know how yep. have you managed that change process with the team internally you know is it just strong communication or have you Implemented certain kind of procedures and systems, and and how have you approached that with the team?
1: I I just dial it back a little bit on the decision making. I think, to be honest, in the first couple of years, we probably didn't have the right decision making process in place. And actually, you know, when I talk to startups now and I talk to founders, and you know, some of them they've just raised money. There's three founders, there's four founders, and it's really exciting. And one of the things that I say to them is do you individually know what you want to get out of this business do you individually or collectively know who is responsible for decisions within these particular areas so whether it's a marketing decision a finance decision and i think for the first couple of years we probably were all we all felt we had the same weight and there was probably too many cooks actually and we, we potentially hindered some decision making i would say yeah I think we probably hindered decision making but then we went through a process with an external coach and we looked at we actually looked at psychometric testing we looked at strengths and weaknesses within the founding team and we came to a much much better understanding of decision making and how we we need to run that decision making framework and yeah, and then we, we basically gave ownership to, to, to each other to help make decisions, and we grew that strategic decision making group to have much more diversity within that within that team because it was too founder driven and probably not enough people. So we needed to expand that group, and, and I think once that group was put into place, we you know we implemented what probably in most companies will have, which is the user you know OKRs, you know their quarterly key results, and we we moved into sort of small teams that would execute those things so it wasn't you know everyone and too many cooks it was like right here's a here's a team that's going to deliver the the gym propositions who do we need okay there's these six people and then they're really responsible for that they report back to the you know to the senior team they report back to the business and we see how they're going but i think the i think the decision making framework is really where a lot of companies could benefit from when they think through that process much, much earlier on and try and remove egos in terms of who should be making the decision. And yeah, I think one of the the big things is that you, you know, a majority, you should go with the majority, right? A majority can be six out of 10. Hmm. But if the other four people it doesn't need to be ten out of ten. It should just be the six, and maybe the the the, the key, the lead decision maker, whether it's the CEO, whether it's the CMO, whether it's the, the CFO or whatever or whichever heads you have in that business, make the final decision because it's their area of expertise. The other four that <clears throat> maybe haven't backed the decision, they have to get on board and back it yeah, because absolutely. that's that's what slows things down. That's what creates problems. Is that if you if you make a decision and you have a majority and you have someone who's leading the decision-making, the overall decision, the people that maybe it didn't quite go their way, they need to go, okay, we've made that decision and we're gonna back it. We're not gonna slow it down. Cause I think that, that can happen very, very often.
0: Yeah, I suppose politics get in the way, but as you mentioned it yourself, I really agree with that piece that your ego, you know, gets in the way way too often when a business is going through that transition from startup to scale up kind of phase. <clears throat> And what I've really enjoyed about this conversation so far, Sammy, is that thought process that actually as you enter that scale up phase, proper decision making and decision-making process, and having that efficient and everybody bought into it and, and knowing how you make decisions will make a big difference. And <clears throat> I suppose one final question before we sort of come on and talk about physical well-being in the workplace and some other subjects. Yeah. I'm really interested, and in perhaps you know, from your experience at Fit, but also as you've alluded to helping other kind of startups is you have succeeded in fundraising which again is another brick wall that a lot of ambitious startups kind of falter at now what would your advice be to anybody listening to this podcast that is looking to secure funding now what what are the tips that you would give them sammy
1: i think you you need clarity of vision you need clarity of your proposition and you need to ask for help because you know, I've worked recently with some very technical teams who are incredible at building the technology, but their articulation, for example, maybe of the problem, the persona that they're trying to acquire, <clears throat> or even the presentation, you know, the branding and the presentation of what they're putting forward it doesn't match their technical skills. And I think you know, you really have to articulate your, you know, your competitive advantage, the size of the market. And, you know, more so than ever, I think the, the more traction that you can prove, the better. You know, whether that is customer conversations, whether that is, you know, you can touch and feel the product. You know, when we when even if I think back to raising money with fit. And the fundraising environment back then was probably probably more favorable. But even then, our seed round, I reckon we had 50 meetings. And I say it's like a partner. You only need to find one, but it might take a long time to find that person. So, you know, we had, we were lucky enough to we had a bit of, you know, we invested some of our own money to build the product. We went to an agency and built that product. But so we had investors actually testing the product. We we filmed a class in a cafe with one trainer. And the background was, you know, the, the white roll boards. I think I shouldn't know the name of those, but I've forgotten. And, you know, it, it, 100% it crashed during the class that we broadcast. But yeah. the investors used, that, used the product. The gamification piece was the reason why they wanted to come back. They said, oh, I can see why this is going to be beneficial. And they invested off mm-hmm. the back of that. I think you can't just have an idea anymore you can't just have a piece of paper and a, and a strong team
0: yeah
1: um you know i saw a couple of was well, a company that i know that's just closed out their seed funding and you know it looks brilliant they've got an amazing team they've got they've got clients they have a, a brilliant brand they've got a fantastic yeah. website they have been at loads of events people know them and they've essentially built momentum into their business to go out and raise that money and i think that's 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 what you have to do you have to showcase that that here's the product that we're going to be giving to customers this is what the customers have said you know and and really go out and make it look beautiful you know, we like things that look good. Like if you've got a presentation debt that doesn't look sexy and it's not, the copywriting's not fantastic, then investors might go, well, is that how they're going to operate in their day-to-day business? Are they going to present things really well? Are they going to focus on the attention to detail? So I think you just have to be really thorough.
0: Brilliant. Some great tips there. So I do want to come on and talk to you, and I suppose it's no surprise doing what you do and having been in the fitness industry for six years is you know, one of your key passions, you know, see it in the content that you put out personally, Sammy, is getting businesses to understand that importance of physical activity for well-being in the workplace. So I suppose we should start with a very simple question of what do you really mean? What does that expressly mean? Um, and what does good look like For businesses that take this subject seriously sure
1: yeah i you're right you know i'm really passionate about well-being i think individual well-being is really the the most important thing you know without our health we don't really have anything i think they say that a healthy person has a thousand thoughts and an unhealthy person has one thought they they just want to be healthy so physical well-being mental well-being emotional well-being financial well-being there are many aspects to to overall well-being you know, even environmental well-being you know the, the, the place that you're in i think you know for this conversation we're focusing on the workplace but really it's really for life and for work you know from my perspective you know you can't have high performance without well-being it's not sustainable and i think that businesses need to take it way way more serious it's not a nice to have it's not a benefit it's something that is really going to underpin their actual business itself you know the engagement of their staff the unmanaged attrition the productivity which i know people probably don't really like that word productivity but essentially you know if you're being paid to do a job you have to output right, for that company yeah. you have to produce kind of work.
0: economic, I suppose, isn't it, um, Sammy?
1: Yeah. yeah, so it covers lots of things. So, get, you know, mental, physical, financial, emotional, environmental, diversity, equity, and inclusion. All of those things are around how somebody feels uh, at work, but really it, it extends to the home as well. And I think that there's some really powerful stats. You know, my my passion is the physical side because actually I think it's, the thing that can impact the majority of areas, I think, well-being is often seen as more of a cure. So, you know, companies do loads of things for for mental health, but they they deal with it when you know if people need therapy or counselling. They need it when people are, or from a health perspective, they provide health insurance, you know, medical insurance. They provide things for when you're sick versus trying to actually go well how do we make our, our our staff really well how do we actually give them the most energy possible in their in their working life i think companies actually have the the biggest opportunity to impact the health of the nation because we all go to work you know we spend about 40% of our lives at work um so you know some of the stats that i think might be surprising most people might know them but you know there's there's some who stats from the end of last year around inactivity, and they they say that between twenty twenty and twenty thirty, there's going to be five hundred million non communicable non communicable diseases, which are you know diseases that are not transmitted. They are they are preventable. Okay, and about I think it's forty seven percent or forty five percent is going to be hypertension, so that's high blood pressure, and forty three percent is from depression. That's all caused by inactivity. Mm. So, yeah. and 70% of all healthcare expenditure is going to be due to inactivity. So, you know, you've got depression in there, which is a, this is a serious mental health problem that needs to be tackled, but it's caused by inactivity. And I think, you know, my, my big passion is to get businesses, employers, employees to put physical activity really at the heart of their personal and professional culture, because you know, the knock-on impacts are, are huge.
0: And how? so, yeah, I mean, you're very much talking across the board in terms of all subjects, well-being to be proactive rather than reactive. And I think you're right. Yep. I think those that do it well are proactive. And, you know, the reactive state is just kind of a sanitary thing now. And most businesses offer it, don't they? But, you know, it's, it's quite it's probably easier for an organisation, isn't it, to think about how do they look after the mental well-being of their teams on a proactive basis? kind of basis. I mean, how do they go about doing it from a physical activity basis, Sammy?
1: I think first and foremost that companies need to recognize the impact that well-being can have on their teams. You know, instead of us sort of focusing on physical and mental and I think you know I speak to lots of CEOs, lots lots of HR directors and on the HR side most of them are saying that actually leadership are saying, you know, the the budget's not there, you know the market's challenging environment and it, it's a you know we've got low engagement and people aren't well and they're sick and it's like well if you invest in their well being it's going to have this sort of knock on effect and I think that's one of the biggest challenges at the moment is recognizing the importance of their employees' well being and if they look after them those knock on effects are going to come back you know they're going to have higher engagement you're going to have less sick days they're going to be more profitable. It's going to be less unmanaged attrition. There's so many, you know, you got a better mood. You know, physical activity boosts your mood, right? You have better relationships yeah. with your colleagues. So I think it's around this this idea around how do they go about it? There's a, there's a few things. They need to facilitate a working model. So it needs to be embedded into their culture to say that that you can exercise, you can move during your working day. <clears throat> it doesn't need to be after work or at the weekends. They need to provide time, to provide flexibility, they need to provide resources. And I think number one, they need to lead by example because it really, it really, it comes from the top. You know, FIT supports lots and lots of companies, corporate well-being. So we, we have, you know, it's called Fit for Work. We provide a digital solution, but we also provide a lot of engagement surrounding that. And you know, chatting to some of the the, the senior leaders in those businesses, they've they really had their sort of eyes opened. You know, some of them have a fit users come in and referred it into their company. You know, there's one company in particular that the CEO wasn't really that active. And now he does fit sort of four or five times a week. And it's really embedded into his culture. And I suppose it being he's been being, he was, he was shown the path by a member of staff. But now they facilitate time, they facilitate resource. They have educational workshops, they have conversations. And I think you can't just have this summer of well-being sort of conversation. You know, lots of companies do something once
0: a year or well being day or, well or yeah, like just kind of fad yeah, kind of yeah. approach. Yeah. And it's interesting, so think, isn't it? And I look back on, I look back on what we did during COVID for our team. We gave them all or I said, look, like, if you wanna, you know. You, you're stuck in the house you're working if you want some yeah. physical activity we gave them paid for any of them to have a fit subscription but I now look back as soon as COVID ended and we got them back kind of and they were hybrid work and all of that we've kind of dropped it and I'm looking yeah. at myself and I'm thinking even during this conversation Sammy I'm nearly slapping myself around the face and going well it was important then why isn't it now but it's that yeah yeah that consistency isn't it yeah, it's it's the, look, it's the engagement piece. We've said it before. Fitness
1: is hard. The world is challenging. You know, we it's not set up to make it easy for people. I really, you know, people have busy lives, they have busy schedules. You know, childcare is a problem for families. It's not easy, and also everything, you know, whether it's from Netflix to food delivery to I, I mean, look, so many things make it difficult for us to move and work from home. Right, with people losing their commutes, so you have to basically take a really proactive approach to it. It needs to be regular, needs to be consistent. People will absolutely give up. They will churn, but you have to reinvigorate them. You know, we get lots of reactivations on fit where you have people who are customers, they work out for a period of time, they go dormant and then they start again. And it's this motivation piece. And that's why when it comes to well-being strategy, you need to do something regular. So, you know, every quarter, whether it's a company challenge, every quarter, a, a, a workshop, or even once a month, you know, you can have a speaker for once a month for mm-hmm. lunch and learn, right? For not that much money for a big organization. So but you know, it's good, you know, some organizations now have well-being teams and they are taking it seriously. But I think, you know, all I can say to you know any employer or business leader is that you have to build it into your business strategy because you will keep people for longer. You'll have a better culture and you're just going to feel more energized. Like you want people to, if you set out your company values and as a leader, you know, you, you want them to show up every day. You want them to be on time. You want them to be energized. Anyone who knows, anyone who's got children will know that they do what you do and not what you say. You know, I've got, I've got three children and they will follow your lead. And that I think is very much the same when it comes to a business leader is that, look, don't just tell people here's a here's a benefit, here's a fit subscription, here's a here's a budget. You've also got to you've got to get stuck in yourself. You've got to show them that actually they can work out at lunchtime, or you know they can do a run club at nine in the morning when people have dropped kids off from school because otherwise it's not suitable before work. And you are giving them budget to have workshops, and then people people will really appreciate it, and they will see the benefit that that you. You, you know, that you really value their how they feel and their well being.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. And people will actually start to believe. And I suppose that's when action happens that you're not, it's not a fad and you're not just playing lip service to it. You believe in it and, and you follow yeah. through on it. And you, again, you come back to that word I suppose I used just now in terms of being consistent. So that's great. And we should probably just reflect on your own journey. I mean, from what have you learned about your own personal well being, Sammy? You know, six years of, fit and obviously a successful property career yeah. before that but you know the six years of fit have clearly been quite an emotional journey I'd expect and and quite a roller coaster in itself but you now what have you learned about your own personal well-being and you know what sort of things are in your own personal regime that others could perhaps take some hints and tips from
1: sure I think you know it yeah the last six years have definitely been challenging you know I I've got you know I've got three children so I've got I've been through a divorce i've got three children i'm running a startup there's you know daily decisions pivots we had the pandemic lots and lots of things you know my whole life has really been constant changes you know trying new things successes and failures in different countries and i would say more than ever you know in the last six years the one thing that has enabled me to be consistent to show up to have the energy to you know, do the day to day is being physically active, is improving the amount I sleep, I didn't need to sleep as much. You know, my, my wife has definitely, you know, she said, Look, you need to live, you need to live for a long time. So you need to sleep more, you need to eat well. And these they sound like basic things. But one of the most powerful things that anyone can do is sleep, you know, anyone with young children will know they have to go through that period when you don't really sleep, and you know how much of an impact that has on your mood. So then, if you think you're doing, you're not sleeping well enough. You're coming into the office. You're not going to be that balanced in meetings. You're not going to make the best decisions. I think I've, I'm I'm pretty poor at remembering quotes, and I haven't written these things down. But I read this. I think it was ariana Huffington talks about Bill Clinton that he says that every bad decision I made was when I was too tired. You know, he talks about not sleeping enough. So I think for me, physical activity is absolutely at the heart of everything that i do you know i try and move almost every day both me and my wife you know we do pilates in the morning you know we're training for the London marathon which is great but having something in the diary having a goal it doesn't have to be a marathon I, i don't do a lot of marathons but having something in the diary having something booked you know even if it's a challenge for example on fit or an exercise challenge that lasts a month having something you can do with someone else is important and finding times, you know, walking. For example, I'm such an advocate of walk and talk. I think it was a, again, it was a huge. I'm doing um, some well-being tips for uh, a non-profit tomorrow, and actually, I'm just going to talk about walking because it was such a big thing in the pandemic. But people forget, you know, they sat working from home, and I track my steps often over a whole week. And you know, I try and get fifteen thousand plus a day, and get up. And sometimes I look at my watch at two o'clock, and I've done two thousand steps. Mm. So. You have to, you know, 10-minute walk is 1,000, 20-minute walk is 2,000. Shifting to walk and talk and, you know, having phone call meetings is such a, that's a really integral part of my week. Um, yeah, look, I'm talking at pace. I yeah, you know, it's a some brilliant hitters. things, you've
0: teed up nicely because we're looking to get a sleep expert on the podcast to talk about the power of sleep, Sammy. So yeah, definitely advocate that. And, you know, just that, the power of accountability as well, I think is true, isn't it, when you're trying to improve your own, wellbeing, being fitness, whatever element it may be, you know, telling somebody what you're doing and being making sure you've been held to account, and the idea of challenges are great, and yeah, the walk and talk. Yeah. So some great tips and ideas and thoughts there, Sammy. I really appreciate that. So I suppose as we start to wrap up the conversation, would kind of like to ask the question: What next for Sammy? What next for Fit? What's coming on the horizon? What excites you about you know the time period ahead? Sure.
1: Yeah, I think that what's
0: next for for Fit is that we are
1: continuing to, to, to drive to be in the middle of that ecosystem. So working with lots of new, lots of new brands, we've got some, you know, some great partners in the corporate side who are pushing, you know, heavily into the corporate well being space, you know, working with big brands, you know, we actually, you know, I look after the Accenture UK, you know, their huge workforce in the UK, lots of big partnerships and really just at the heart of that hybrid ecosystem. So you can train at home, you can train at the gym, you, you can train, you know, on the go, so continuing to build great content, great technology, and to really create the best partnerships that we can. You know, on a personal perspective, it's continuing to work more and more in the wellbeing sector. So, you know, I, I support startups, you know, early stage startups, really those focused on anything that's going to improve human health. That's the sort of the, the, the area of passion. And then, you know, wellbeing workshops and and talks for, 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 for big companies, really just trying to you know get that message home because education is really really sort of a key key element so yeah definitely some new things coming in the pipeline in in that area
0: brilliant thank you sammy and always wrap up with this question is you know what's your definition of personal success sammy
1: so yeah i need to think of the cuff here right i would say i think it's two things living to your own values and having control of your time i think those two yeah, those two things are really, really, I think, important. You know, I've met a lot of successful people. Actually, you know, even this weekend, I was at a, a, a wellness retreat and some very successful people there who they hadn't really had a break for 25 years. They hadn't taken their kids to school. You know, for me, I take the kids to school, I pick them up, I can take them to clubs. And I think having that control of your time is important. You know, the, the success here isn't really related to the actual business, it's really personally how how you want to live your life so i think you know living to your values and having control of your time for me is whatever you do i think is that's my definition of success
0: brilliant i love it sammy really really love that and if people want to know more about fit they want to know more about you where can they go
1: sure so you know fit is we're on instagram's it's, F- it's double it So Fit fit.tv on on the web or fit iit on instagram you can find loads of information there you can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm Sammy. It's S-A-W-M-I. Dot I think I'm sure my name is going to be in there on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. And yeah, sure you could, you know, email me if you want to talk well-being. If you want to talk, you know, fit. If you want to talk, yeah, workplace culture. Then I would love to, yeah, love to chat all day long about it.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Sammy. It's a shame I could t- chat all day long to you too, but uh, time to bring the podcast to a conclusion. Thank you for a really thought provoking conversation i've really enjoyed our conversation i've made some notes as we've got along with self for things that i'm going to do as a result right. and i hope i'll listen to you. thank you for being a great guest yeah
1: thanks ron appreciate it
0: Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com.